I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast, formerly known as the Oaxaca My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Susan Hyatt is a master certified life and business coach, best-selling author, and professional speaker who helps women stop obsessing over the stuff that doesn't matter and focus on earning money, gaining power, smashing the patriarchy, and running the world. Susan wrote the best-selling book, Bear, that has inspired women all over the world to stop shrinking their bodies and start expanding their lives. She's also the host of You Got Nerve podcast. She's been featured in O, The Oprah Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Seventeen, Women's World, and more. So please welcome to the show, Susan Hyatt. Yay, thanks for having me, McKinney. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for saying yes and agreeing to share your journey with us. The last time I connected with you online, we were on a virtual panel together for the Anti-Hustle Manifesto. Mm -hmm. But the first time I came across your work and your page is because I follow um, your friend, uh, Rachel. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) so there were some events that uh, she was sharing online and I like to like see the energy of people and I fell in love with your energy and even your straightforwardness when we were on that panel together. So I was like, I need to have Susan on here. So thank you. Thank you. I am. I am straightforward. I love it. (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) they're not ready they're not ready (laughs) like I I remember when everyone was jumping on the bandwagon of doing like all the the Barbie stuff and I love the boldness of your Barbie post on your Instagram I was like yes girl tell them yes (laughs) Uh, well I think what's funny about um Barbie core is that I've been doing Barbie core before it was cool so now (laughs) now everybody's into it I'm like okay let me tell you something yeah. This Barbie has <laughs> got a lot to say. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So I love to get into your backstory, the very beginning before we get to where you are presently. You know, I, I believe that people look at people's highlight reel on social and look at their successes and don't understand there's a huge backstory there, you know, your origin story, your upbringing, your childhood. So before we get to where you are presently, I would love to know what did you want to be or who did you want to be as a little girl and what type of teenager were you? Oh, so what's interesting is that there's a picture. I am looking for it now that, you know, my mom gave me this huge shoebox full of childhood photos and I can't find my favorite one. My favorite one is a picture of me in like I'm filthy, but I'm in roller skates and I have this um, like basket in my hand. I used to play like Little House on the Prairie, but make it glitter, right? Like <laughs> it was like I'm in my roller skates. I'm filthy. Like I was making mud pies, but I was, you know. And I think that dichotomy still exists. But uh, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And if you follow my social media, you will see lots of animal posts. <laughs> Um, so while I'm not a veterinarian, I do have six pets. Um, oh, wow. And my husband often thinks like she's going to open up a dog rescue. And as a teenager, I was, um, I went to an all girls Catholic high school and the nuns either loved or hated me. <laughs> I was very much challenging the leadership of the church. I was like, Hey, why does the bishop have a BMW and all the nuns share a minivan? Somebody explain this to me. And also, why can I not be on the altar because I'm a girl? So as a teenager, I was as mouthy, if not a little more mouthy probably than I am today. But I had a lot of insecurities, which ended up becoming my bear book. I was raised pretty steeped in diet culture as all of us. I mean, there's no escaping it. Um, but I grew up in the fat-free craze. And so, you know, while I was willing to take a lot of risk with my mouth, I was not willing to take a lot of risk with my body. And, mm. um, and so as a teenager, I was too uncoordinated to make the cheerleading team. So I founded the pep squad. I was debate team. I was a bench warmer in any sport I ever tried to attempt. But I was also somebody who um, really saw a lot of the unfairness in the world, saw the inequities and at, as a young kid and as, especially as a teenager became really mouthy about it. And that carried through to adulthood. Wow. So there's so much that you said there that I want to unpack before we get to where you are presently. Mm -hmm. um, one, I want to start with, you know, you said you were very, I guess, willing to take a risk with your your mouth. <laughs> as a child. <laughs> you, you spoke up, but you asked questions. Mm -hmm. um, I love, love, love that. I honestly believe we need to ask more questions. I think we're too trusting today of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love to know, because I know that our kids or the, the younger generation and, and even ours were reprimanded for speaking up. We got in trouble for yep. asking questions, you yep. know, kids should be seen and not heard. Yep. And I would love to know how that version of you, I guess, has now owned your voice for this present version of you, how that's helped you today. 
Yeah. So I definitely was shamed and, and everyone around me adult wise, whether they secretly were rooting for me or not, the message that I received spoken and unspoken was don't make a scene, like tone it down, like don't ruffle any feathers. Why are you bringing that up? And in a lot of my work, I talk about, you know, becoming who you are is probably going to require that you break a cultural or family of origin rule. Mm-hmm. And mine was don't make a scene. And often it's even though we want to so badly do the thing, whatever it is, if it requires subconsciously breaking this family rule or community rule, that's what keeps us stuck because we it's so painful for us as humans to potentially be excommunicated or voted off the island or excluded. And so I think um, becoming an adult and using overeating, overspending, overworking, all of these things to kind of push down this need to make a scene and use my voice, what ultimately came of that was me teaching other women how to identify, like, what is it you want to do? What's the rule you need to break in order to become that person? And then let's figure out, okay, where'd you learn that rule? Where do you feel it in your body when you become scared to break that rule? And then how do we overcome that so mm-hmm. that you become the person you're supposed to become? So what 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 I was, the way that I was shamed, I was raised in the South of the United States and, you know, a good girl doesn't talk that way. A good girl doesn't challenge authority. Uh, you know, a a lady behaves in certain ways, and and you know, if you don't, you're going to get left out or mm-hmm. get detention or you know, get left out of opportunities. Mm. Wow. Now I have like even more questions. <laughs> 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 so I I want to ask. Because I know as someone who has now taken it upon myself to break a lot of generational things within my family, generational mm-hmm. chains and curses and all of those things, mm-hmm. I know that there come it, it comes with a lot of backlash mm-hmm. um, within the family, within people that know you. And I know that for a lot of my clients, something as simple as even them starting their own business, you know, they'll say to me, well, they're having a hard time dealing with the fact that, you know, they no longer connect or resonate with certain people or friends and it, and they're hurt by it, by having to release those relationships. Mm-hmm. So I guess my direct question to you now would be on your journey of breaking those family um, patterns, how have you been able to deal with that backlash and what advice would you have for any of the women that are listening? Yeah, I, I work with a lot of, of folks as well who starting a business is so contrary to family rules. And and it's this unspoken thing. And once we can get to it that like, oh, your your parents think a real job is not entrepreneurship or your grandparents or siblings or whoever. And, you know, same for me. I I know that I changed my major while I was in college four times because I was so confused about what I actually wanted to do. And I have so many stories about that. And then just getting into different careers that were acceptable, but weren't really the thing. I didn't know what the thing was. And then when I decided 
to become an entrepreneur, there was a ton of backlash. What are you doing? Um, like they call it work for a reason, you know, you really think you're going to be able to make a go of that. No one's even heard of what life coaching is. You know, there was lots of pushback and ultimately for me, it became a situation of choose your heart, right? It's hard to go against the status quo, but it, it became harder for me to just suck it up and deny what it was I wanted to be doing. And so I think the the tip, one of the tips I have is to just decide for yourself. I was just on a coaching session where my client said, I know this is what I should be doing, but it's going to be a fight. And I said, right. So you can either fight for yourself or fight against yourself and decide which one is more painful because mm-hmm. they're both hard. But I can tell you what, 10 years from now, if you don't fight for yourself, you're always going to wonder what could have been. You're going to be, you know, continuing to overconsume food, alcohol, shopping, cheating, whatever, gambling, whatever human beings cook up mm-hmm. to numb the pain of not living their truth. And so for me, it's like having that tough conversation with yourself, like, okay, pick your heart, yeah. pick it. Yeah. I guarantee you it's harder to suck it up. Yeah. Wow. I have goosebumps right now because you're the client that you were speaking to yesterday. That was like me 15 years ago. And I just did a post, I think it was yesterday, day before yesterday on Instagram, talking about when I decided to jump into entrepreneurship and become a full-time entrepreneur, that was in 2009 while I was going through my divorce. So I was a stay-at-home mom for four and a half years, Mm -hmm. three kids, a mortgage, a dog, a car payment, and decided I'm leaving my husband who makes all of the money. (laughs) I don't want to be in this toxic relationship anymore. (laughs) I'm picking my heart. (laughs) Everyone around me was like, you need stability. You need to get a job. You have three kids. You have a mortgage. Are you crazy? What are you doing? Da, da, da. And here I have never gotten a job since 2009. I have been self-employed. So it's like to all of those people that I guess because of their beliefs, because of their paradigms, didn't believe that it was possible. Even today, even them seeing what I do on a regular basis or even you know on social some people are like, what is it you do again? <laughs> like, but I've, I chose my heart right. and I chose my passion rather than the biweekly paychecks. Listen, can we just give it up for three <laughs> kids and a mortgage and a car and a toxic husband? And you're like, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> is, I was a stay-at-home mom for uh, about four years myself. And any of you listening who are stay-at-home moms, like hats off to you mm-hmm. because that is that is that'll that'll get you right <laughs> that'll that'll <laughs> that'll make things real clear for you and, and it was real clear to me that I was uh, not cut out for that job mm-hmm. and needed to figure something else out yeah um, and I and that's what led me to entrepreneurship as well yeah. and I think that you know, being willing to say, I choose me over this toxic relationship and this setup that is not in any way set up to serve me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hats off to you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, definitely was not easy. (laughs) Definitely a fight, not only from the toxic ex, but also everyone else around me that in their eyes, I was living this lavish lifestyle with the properties, the cars, the traveling. And they're mm-hmm. like, you're walking away from that. And you don't work. What are you doing? <laughs> like, are you crazy? Right. 
<laughs> I, I do think women, I mean, we're, we're given so much pushback, like, um, you know, my, my mother is turning 80 and that generation, it's like, you don't leave a, you don't leave a good man. Like you don't leave a good paycheck. You don't leave a good, right. And it's like, define good. Okay. Mm. Because, you know, I don't give a crap about whatever the 401k and the healthcare and all that is. If every day it's sucking my soul. Yes. Keep it. Keep your benefits package. There's no benefits there. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that that speaks to my soul because that was what I had to explain to a lot of people. They're like, how how are you willing to trade that off? And I'm like, you have no idea what I was enduring behind closed doors. Mm. I am not trading my soul for these material things. No, thank you. I will pick my heart. <laughs> this is the heart I'm choosing. I'm taking my kids with me. Bye. <laughs> for you. And look at you now. My God. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's get back to to you. I, I had a couple more questions about when you were um, sharing about even right now. Like you, you have is it seven or six pets? Six, three dogs and three cats. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> and two grown children. Um, so two of the dogs are at doggy daycare while we're podcasting. Um, they cannot be trusted. They're still they're still young, and um, one beagle named Mork the beagle is snoring in the next room and then the cats are being (laughs) but how does that work listen I lost I had four pets when COVID hit and I lost three of them they were senior animals three of them died during COVID I'm sorry and I became an empty nester also during COVID and I went on a and a pet adoption spree. I mean, I listen, my daughter said, mom, you say you don't have any trouble being an empty nester, but I think you're coping with animals. (laughs) I think you might be right at this point, but anyway, I love them all. I love that. I love that. Cause I have two dogs, three kids and two bonus kids, and I am struggling to make it all mesh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Five kids. How many are still at home? All. (laughs) All of them live in your house. Oh my God. And they're like, (laughs) the youngest is uh, 17 and the oldest is turning 26 in January. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and that brand new grandbaby lives with you. (sighs) My, my heart. Like, yeah, I was sharing with you before we started recording. I just became a grandmother and it's interesting because my, my daughter that, made me a grandmother. Um, to me, she is very similar to you. Mm. She has always gotten in trouble for her mouth. She doesn't doesn't care who you are. She doesn't care about authority. She will ask her questions. She will speak her mind. And I've always said to her, like, you are allowed to speak your mind as long as you do so respectfully. Um, you know, her love for animals. There was one point where she wasn't well and she had seven pets that we were taking care of for her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, there's some similarities that I'm seeing here. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, she sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave you your first grandchild. So yes. um, wow. Busy, busy yeah. out. Yes. But okay, so I would love to know how society, culture, or even your present environment has shaped your identity. Because, you know, you've talked about the influence 
when you were younger and, you know, people putting their limitations on you and now you are free to do as you please. Mm -hmm. I would love to know how it's shaped your identity. Sure. So one brief story that happened in college, one of the reasons I changed my major four times was I started out as a journalism major and I had an English 101 teacher who I just thought hung the moon and I got a job as a reporter for the University of Georgia school newspaper. And I had my first assignment and I wrote up a review of an event and I gave it to her to ask her opinion. And she sat me down outside of her office and she said, oh, sweetie, I don't want you to embarrass yourself. I don't think this is for you. Like, Mm. legit. Like, And I didn't at that time... I did believe that she, as an authority figure, knew more than me. And I had wanted to be a writer or a journalist broadcaster, you know, my whole high school career and um, went to my guidance counselor's office, changed my major that day. Wow. And I took what she said without questioning it. And that led me down this path of like, I mean, I was a nursing major for two weeks and I get nauseous at the sight of blood. Like this is how, like, I had no idea what to do with my life if I wasn't a writer. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, when I decided to start this company in 2007, all of a sudden, this was when blogs, right, were hot. And Mm -hmm. I was like, all of a sudden, I came all the way back around. I could write whatever I wanted and no one could say anything. I have a podcast mic. What? I have my own show. And so it's funny to me how all of those things that I really wanted to do, I now as Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur have the ability to create for myself. Yes. Um, And so learning that hard lesson of allowing an authority figure to tell me who I was really shaped me. And Mm. then also growing up in the South, growing up in a very patriarchal environment, created the the feminist that I am. And also just seeing growing up in Savannah, Georgia, the race relations, seeing how oppressed communities, marginalized communities were treated, all of those things produced um, someone who wanted to fight for injustice, for justice, for people mm-hmm. who are experiencing injustice and wanting to call out. I mean, everything that I do centers around how to advocate for yourself. Everything. Mm-hmm. My podcast, my books, my coaching tools, they're all about you owning who, knowing who you are, owning who you are, and then advocating for who you are in the world. And I think that the experiences that I had as a a young girl and being treated as less than like, no, altar servers are boys. No, Mm -hmm. girls can't do that. And so now it's like, let's close the wage gap, the confidence gap, the leisure gap. There's an orgasm gap. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get what we came for. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> I had um uh goodness um Dr. Jordan Wiggins. Um so she she's a doctor and her platform focuses on um the pleasure uh for women. Yep. Actually she was on was she on our panel? I think she was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She was. Yes. 
Yeah, so we we actually really got close since then. So we like message regularly and text and stuff. Um, but you know, just the conversation about you know pleasure for women, like I feel like that episode got a lot of um, feedback. It got a lot of DMs on that because you know, as all the things that we are as women, moms, daughters, wives, business owners, da 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 da, all these things, and how our pleasure is impacted. So um, I love that you mentioned closing that that pleasure cap. <laughs> yes. Hello. I mean, it's just like, oh my God. I mean, when you start really looking at while we're focused on freaking thigh gap, but like what? Um, and we're using our capacity up to diet mm-hmm. and to carry this invisible workload, we're we're missing the opportunity to focus on what really matters. And yeah. you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so you talked about your upbringing, the environment, um, you know, the labels that were placed on you. I feel like, you know, we're all born into like a particular set of circumstances, um, you know, that start to define our values and our experiences and things like that. How do you feel your upbringing, mm-hmm. how that's impacted your values that you presently have? Mm. Well, I would say... You know, I grew up in a working class, like lower middle class, blue collar home. And my father was an over over the road truck driver. So he drove an 18 wheeler. And so technically he he was an entrepreneur. And so some of the things that I have carried forward are, you know, I I value being proud of my work. I value my free time. But there was this, you know, feast or famine. It was like steak or hot dogs. Um, There would be snacks and then there wouldn't be snacks, you know, depending on (laughs) what was happening with with him. And my mother was a stay-at-home mom until I went into the eighth grade. And then she went back to work. And then when I started college, I was the first person in my family to go to college. And my mother started college too. Um, And so I had like this, you know, this mother that was subservient at first, my father would come home and she would put his dinner plate in front of him and serve him. And then I also had the mother who got a microwave, right? I'm 50. So like when when microwaves were new and and she was like, hey, open up a, a can of soup. Good luck to you, right? I'm going back to work and then back to college. And so I... I had the uh, the value that I have of advocating for women's rights started because I saw my mother like, why does he get served a plate of food? Like, where who's serving your plate of food? You know, mm-hmm. and then seeing her grow up with me and take ownership of her life and her career, I think that shaped me because I I saw both things in real time in the yeah. eighteen years I grew up in that house. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine like seeing both those contrasts in the same household, like how that affected you. And I was as a teenager, like, yes, mom, yes. <laughs> like, you know, I was a biggest cheerleader. I was like, you tell him. And, yeah. and I, was, I was the youngest by eight years. So it was us against him. Right. It was, it was like my dad didn't have a chance um, from 1987 to 1991. Forget about it. I love it. 
<laughs> I love it. Okay. So knowing that you, from a very young age, spoke your mind, um, had a, you know, a very strong personality. I know that, you know, all of us were walking around with our trauma responses from our childhood wounds, childhood traumas, and things that have been said to us as kids. I would love to know, I guess, how has that impacted you now? Like, you know, if you were always told to be quiet or not speak up or, you know, all of those things, like, where did you get your praise from if you were probably constantly being told the opposite? Well, it's interesting because there, yeah, there are a lot of things. It's my teachers at school um, were very like, Hey, you know, you're, you're a great writer. You're smart. You're this, I was the smart one. And my sister was the pretty one. And I also was the smart one and not the athletic one. And the way that that has shaped me today, it's, I was actually just talking about this. Like I just, my last retreat was walking the Camino in Spain. And, and I was joking with my group that, you know, my, my family was like, oh, you're so clumsy. You're so uncoordinated. Your brother and your sister are the athletic ones. And I was like, who's the only one walking the Camino? That would be me. Right. So I'm like a runner and a weightlifter and a hiker. Notice nothing that involves hand-eye coordination. (laughs) I had to learn, I had to learn though, to, um, to own that I am an athlete, just maybe not in sports that involve hitting a ball or, <laughs> or making a basket. Um, but, but the praise that I got was from gold stars at school, you know, mm. straight A's at school. And so some of that learning how to untangle in terms of like how that shows up today is that my worthiness is not tied to the gold star. You know, my worthiness is not tied to the A. Um, You know, my worthiness is separate from my bank account, the number of followers I have, the number of clicks I get, you know, all of those things. And so it can still show up today in the sense of like, I'm super resilient. I'm super productive. I'm very efficient. And, and, taking a look at those things and in terms of our anti-hustle time together on that panel and really leaning into pleasure as a business plan and making sure that I'm resting and having downtime. And that has been a big part of my journey. But the way that it shows up is like, I was that person who wanted that gold star. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can completely relate to that. I I have goosebumps right now. I can completely relate to that, you know, in in terms of like the entire upbringing process where, you know, I grew up, I guess you could say in poverty, you know, in government housing to a single mom and knowing that she had her own traumas and struggles that she was dealing with. I didn't get the praise or support um, that a child needs at that time. So I was that person that was always striving for success at school. So, you know, honor roll student, graduated from high school and college with honors. Like, even when I became an entrepreneur, it was at the time seeking all of these awards and accolades to define my success. Mm-hmm. And I'm 43 now. And I think it was only maybe three years ago where I was like, none of these things define me. And I was searching for praise and I was searching for validation 
from a parent that I would probably may never get that from. And it's like, I'm searching for something that I (laughs) already know I am worthy. I am valuable. And I stopped, I completely switched even how I run my business where it was no longer the hustle mentality within my business. And I no longer cared about being a part of these awards and any of these, you know, I call them popularity events where it's like, you have to get people to vote for you and all these things. And it's like, no, my business right now, everything about it is formulated around my family and the culture that I want to have for myself, the self-care, me being able to have time for my relationships and now my new granddaughter. Like my priority is peace, freedom, connection. It's no longer all of the things that I was checking off to try to define my worth. But that took 40 years to get there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes what it takes, right? And I I agree. It's like freedom, peace, um, like none of those things are important. It's funny what we spend time. It's funny that you bring up awards because just yesterday I was looking at the top of this bookcase and there's a an award up there that was very much a popularity contest kind of thing. I didn't get it. I got like, you know, first runner up or something. And I was looking at that award and I was like, why do I even still have that? Like who, ca- like, who cares? Yeah. Um, and I think you reach an age and a point where um, it's that roomy quote, let go or be dragged. Mm-hmm. It's like you get dragged long enough and you decide to let go. Yeah. Um, and I think at a certain age, you decide like, wow, okay, I'm I'm done learning this lesson or I, I welcome the opportunity to still <laughs> learn it, but yeah. I've got the biggest bulk of it. <laughs> Send yeah, that to the universe, because as soon as I say that, I'm going to have a new learning opportunity. This afternoon. <laughs> exactly. We got to be careful what we say. <laughs> the tongue is very powerful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So before we get to the final segment of the show, I would love if you could tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you, where they can learn more from you and about you. Sure. Thank you. So my website is susanhyatt.co, not .com. Co. There's a there's like a 90 year old named Susan Hyatt that owns SusanHyatt.com and she refuses to sell it and I kind of respect that. Um, and also, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at, at Susan Hyatt, and I have a podcast called You've Got Nerve. I love it. I love it. So I'll have all of the direct links so they can connect with you in the detailed section. They don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when you said that there's this old woman that has the SusanHyatt.com, I laughed again. It, it resonates because when I joined Instagram, there's someone else that has um, at McKinney Smith. And I'm like, she doesn't use the account. It just sits there. So I have right. to use like the real McKinney Smith. And people are always tagging McKinney Smith. I'm like, no. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. Um, You can share one word or one sentence. I don't like to put people in a box because I don't like to be put in a box. So you are more than welcome to expand your answer if you need to. Okay. Okay. So name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Finding Your Own North Star by Dr. Martha Beck. Love it. Okay. I'm adding that to my reading list. Thank you. Um, What failure or adversity has taught you the most about life? Wow. What failure or adversity? I would say adversity. I'm a rape survivor. And 
as a 21 year old. And I remember through that healing journey, understanding that things can happen to us, but we don't have to become the thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry you even had to experience that. Thank you. Now I'm like, wow, what question do I go from there? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay. What advice would you give your future self? Not your younger self, but your future self. Celebrate. Celebrate because you did it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, when and where are you the happiest? Mm. I am the happiest at home with my husband and all six of my animals by the fire. Love it. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Mm. I would say taking Fridays off. So Fridays are a fun Friday and I do whatever I want on Fridays. And so I always have a long weekend unless I'm traveling and it has changed my life. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, Describe yourself in one word. Spunky. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, What would you say is your superpower? Intuition is my superpower. Love it. What's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night? I say thank you first thing in the morning. um, And the last thing at night is say thank you. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Advocate for themselves. Speak their mind. Love it. Wow. Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for your transparency. I love your boldness. (laughs) And I wish that energy for everyone that is listening. (laughs) I truly appreciate you taking the time. Uh, This was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you healers out there, until next time, don't forget to subscribe. You can rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. And there's over 3 million. So thank you. (laughs) I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to share this episode with three girlfriends that need to hear Susan's story. And you can tag us on Instagram. If you want to screenshot this week's episode, you can tag Susan at Susan Hyatt. That's S-U-S-A-N-H-Y-A-T-T. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. A healthy community is a healing community. And a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.